Hello, podcast land. My name is Alex, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Dreamcast, the podcast where we discuss films, video games, and novels that would be ideal for a remake or adaptation and cast each role in order to create the quintessential Dreamcast. Today, I'm very honored to be joined by my very good friend, Carrie. She is a television production professional with strong ties to the esports world and a lifelong gamer. Welcome, Carrie. Hey Alex, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. I knew that when I started this podcast, I wanted to start with a video game and I couldn't think of anybody better than to start with my very good friend and longtime gamer. Yeah, well, we have uh, we've had so many conversations about video games and especially this one that we're going to talk about um, today. And it's uh, I'm I don't sound passionate, but I am very passionate. And as soon as we get into some details, I have a feeling you and I are gonna either be at odds or be or be entirely on the same page. So I'm excited. I feel like for the most part, we're always on the same page, but it's okay to butt heads every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get it started today for our inaugural episode. We are talking about one of my very favorite video games, the first one I ever beat to completion since I was about 12 years old. So yes. do you want to whoop whoop on that? Yeah. Uh, the, the 2013 video game published by 2K Games, Bioshock Infinite. Woohoo! Oh, I love 2K. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They make great stuff. I appreciate everybody there, especially all the hard work that went into this game, which is actually, and I know you know this, Carrie, it's a sequel to the first game just titled Bioshock. Oh yeah, uh, which is interesting because it it came extremely late. It it, it doesn't even seem like uh, it was a sparkle in the eyes of the creators when uh, by how different they are, you know. Um, but it's uh, it's amazing how it falls in line really well, and um, and while offering a lot of standalone qualities, um, it also fits into some of the characteristics of their games that they bring through the whole series. So yeah, no, absolutely. And the reason why I chose this game in specific to be our first episode was because even though I very much appreciate the first game, I did play it. I didn't complete it, unfortunately. I did watch some playthroughs, so I. I, knew how, I know how it ends. Yeah. Um, I have a stronger tie to Infinite, not only because I beat it to completion, but because of how well I connected with the story. And that would actually uh, provide a very good segue into the synopsis of the game. So if no one listening has played it or heard of it, allow me to elaborate. Um, and spoil? How many spoilers <laughs> are we talking about? Oh, all the spoilers. <laughs> all spoilers, okay. Hey, it's free game, you guys. If you're listening and you don't want it spoiled, it's time <laughs> for you to leave. <laughs> all the spoilers, so uh, spoiler warning right here. If you don't want to be spoiled, um, stop right now, play it um, as as much as you can, and then come back and listen to Come on yeah. back, you know? <laughs> Also, you know, I think all of these spoilers will just make people want to go play the game more. Um, I, it's, they're such incredible games. I feel like the average person might get FOMO from hearing all of the uh, incredible things we're about to talk about. 
Absolutely. And uh, I'll get into this a little bit later, but I also want to talk about how relevant the plot of this game is to our current um, socio-political climate. <laughs> but before I get into all that, uh, let me just start with a simple synopsis of the game. Uh, as I mentioned before, it is a sequel, but it works very well as a standalone game and or story. And it starts with a, uh, a, a down on his luck, former Pinkerton, former um, uh, Civil War vet uh, named Booker DeWitt. He is an alcoholic, um, uh, divorced, uh, a very, um, a very shady past who is approached by uh, twins one day. And they tell him that he, that he that they could help him clear all of his financial debts that he has going on right now if he travels to a, uh, a very peculiar city and retrieves a, a young woman and brings her to them. And Booker, uh, our protagonist, and I say that with uh, invisible quote marks, uh -huh. um, agrees. And he ends up uh, following the twins where they take him to a uh, waypoint to get to the city but they never told him where it was. And this city is actually a floating city called Columbia. This city is supposed to be a, a haven in utopia for a certain sect of people, a, a certain uh, thinking, uh, way of thinking people. Um, for lack of a better term, it's a utopia for racists. Um, at this time, um, pretty much slavery had, had ended, but uh, a certain individual and a big portion of his followers uh, by the name of Zachary Hill Comstock decided that uh, they wanted to keep the uh, supremacy uh, of their ideology working. So this man commissioned a team of scientists that was headed by uh, two twins called the Lutest twins, uh, Robert and Rosalind, to help him build a city that floated in way above the United States in the clouds so he can start his haven utopia without being bogged down by the politics of the United States of America. So when Booker gets to Columbia, he his main goal is to track down this young woman that they identify as Elizabeth Comstock, who happens to be the daughter of Zachary Hill Comstock. But while Booker is there, he comes into contact with a lot of unique characters and he comes into contact with a lot of uh, people and revelations that make him realize that this mission is not going to be as easy and cut and dry as he believes. Um, and obviously there's much more to the story. There is a quantum physics, time travel, and multiverse theory as well as components of racism and systemic, uh, systemic racism and uh, yeah, it just goes kind of all over the place, but that's the basic plot described as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, what do you think, Carrie? I think the, one of the most interesting parts about this um, that I know you're gonna get to is um, the social unrest that we see and how it progresses through um, the city and how we see um, basically what we, we'll, what we see is a resistance with its own leader, um, Daisy Fitzroy, um, rebel uh, within the city and fight against um, Comstock's uh, following. Um, and then we see them also turn into almost, you know, equally or more violent um, as an uprising. But it's, I think it's cool from our perspective to be on the outside 
as Booker, who's not even from the city, who's just feels like he's passing through, but he's witnessing this major social unrest, which, you know, the country has already been through. But to see it on a smaller but more intense scale and outside of the rules of, you know, what, what you and I are familiar with, you know, down here in the U.S. Um, up in the sky, things are uh, a little bit different, but also they play out in a lot of similar ways. I mean, I think it's commonly understood that history repeats itself over and over again. Um, even though humans try our best not to, uh, somehow it happens. And I feel like I don't, can't really understand why or explain it, but it does. And and so it's it's really cool to see it happen up here and kind of take a step back and you see some of the characters are more integrated into the happenings between the different differently thinking people groups and it is really interesting I personally I mean I love this game I think it's incredibly cinematic in the way that you're watching things progress and um, the leaders at odds with one another and the resistance happening in the city and watching people um, fist to fist in the streets. Like it's deeply cinematic. Not every situation calls for your character to get involved. Um, but then when it does, it's extreme. It feels very immersive. And they give you a lot of opportunities to really take a side. And it's not always clear which side is the right side because information is revealed as you're playing the story. I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, it is it is a story that really kind of, um, I don't want to say does a bait and switch, but it really just kind of, it really kind of illustrates that trope of the tragic hero. So our, our drunkard former military man, he's seen war, he's seen he's seen things and he's looking for some kind of redemption. seen some things man and some <laughs> stuff <laughs> the the character you play as the main protagonist he's looking for some kind of redemption that is very clear from the minute you start the game but with everything that he goes through his experience and i think it's very interesting that you um mentioned that not every situation he comes um into close contact with in columbia requires his involvement if he does get involved or doesn't it has a, a ripple effect with the way that you play um the rest of the game and that is getting into spoiler territory so that was my fault and it's just a very complex story which is why i kind of wanted to go into a little more detail about it before we start casting and honestly carrie i believe you gave me a very good introduction to talk about who i would cast for our main protagonist the character that you play as uh booker dewitt i would choose andrew lincoln now most of you out there uh listening uh, most commonly know him as Rick from The Walking Dead. Other people um, like me who first saw him in Love Actually <laughs> <laughs> uh, know him from there, um, where everybody's kind of a, lux a lovesick dope and uh, they make all the wrong decisions, but somehow they try to tell us that it's all right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and it happens to be a bunch of people's favorite Christmas movie. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to hate on it. I'm not hating on it. I'm not. <laughs> That, okay, so uh, everybody, we know how Carrie feels about love actually now. Oh, <laughs> so. no. Somebody's going to take away my uh, my woman card. They're going to be like, nope, you're not allowed to be a woman anymore. You don't like love actually. 
Oh, God. Uh, anyway, uh, shifting focus. Keeping um, Andrew Lincoln's role in The Walking Dead in mind, I believe he would be perfect for Booker because if you think about it, Andrew Lincoln in that show uh, plays Rick Grimes, who um, is injured and wakes up in a post-apocalyptic zombie Atlanta and a bunch of stuff happens afterward. Now, I believe that Andrew Lincoln um, taking his experience from that role would be a perfect Booker DeWitt because uh, Rick Grimes in that show is a man with a past. His life is not perfect. He has made plenty of mistakes and as he navigates the zombie apocalypse, he keeps making mistake after mistake, but that really just kind of shapes him as a man for this new world that he's in. The, the old rules don't apply and he has to learn the new rules and set himself a code. And that is the same thing that happens in Bioshock Infinite with Booker DeWitt. He is entering a world that is not completely unlike where he was before on the ground in the US of A, um, but there's a lot of things that are unique to him and that he really doesn't understand. There's a scene, a very poignant scene, and this kind of um, gets me into the next character, but I'll try not to uh, get too much into that. He is talking to the young girl that he is supposed to fetch at this point, they are together. Um, and she sees like a, uh, it's the first time she's been in the city and she sees uh, a segregated bathroom. And she asks like, why is there a separate bathroom for people of color? And Booker responds, that's just the way it is. And Elizabeth, ever the bright eyed um, forward thinker says, that seems just like an unnecessary complication. It's, it's that little exchange and certain exchanges that they have throughout the game that make me realize that Booker is someone who is comfortable with his old world, but also understands that it's not 100%, he's not 100% on board for it. He is very much a, uh, I don't want to say a blood money mercenary, but he is very much a soldier for hire. But he changes around that time. So I believe Andrew Lincoln would be perfect for this role because that is exactly what he goes through in The Walking Dead. And that man can pull off the rugged, big beard, wild-eyed look like nobody's business, so. I think visually, he's a great cast for that. I think he's got the look I always imagined, like kind of a scruffy, like a almost like a cowboy-esque look to him. It's almost like I want to see less emotion from Booker's character because I mean, as as because it's our playable character, I mean, we're making choices, but the character itself, Booker, he's just kind of asking the questions for us that we can't ask in game until he gives us an option. So it's kind of nice to have somebody who's a little bit more muted that we can experience from his point of view and also learn, which is why I think they kind of gave him that personality. When I look at Booker and the I remember playing, it's been, uh, it's been a little while since I've played it, but I'm really hoping to get another play in soon. I'm thinking uh, Patrick Wilson, which um, I think most people would know him from his role in um, Insidious. He's done a lot of scary movies. Um, I want to say he's even done Annabelle. He's done um, 
Prometheus uh, and you know may have even entered the movie scene with the movie Phantom of the Opera oh yeah which I, I love I love that one but that's not the best example of him but he's done a few um, lesser known cowboy flicks and uh, I think he plays the serious um, more focused character um, with a chip on his shoulder pretty well. I think he is not quick to be gigantic in, in emotions uh, as an actor. I think he plays a very relatable, natural, like a frustrated or like a genuinely caring person. I think he plays some of his emotions a little bit um, smaller, but that I think makes them also much more natural feeling and also like I think it hits you harder sometimes when something feels so real and he's a little bit older now um I'd say late late 30s maybe early 40s he I think you can rough him up a little bit and make him into this just the exact person you would want saving you right is Booker the type of person you would want saving you I'm not sure yet but if I could if I could pick somebody in that role patrick wilson he can he can rescue me he can help me navigate tears in the universe and uh and discover the truth you know absolutely i uh i really really like your choice for booker uh i am very familiar with patrick wilson i've seen him in many things he he's been a lot he's been around a long time he he hits a big movie every so often but he's just in it for the long haul he's just a quality actor that you know i'm sure he could play a lot of roles but who's next on our roster number one major spoiler for the game um later on as you play the game close to the end kind of close to the end you find out that booker dewitt is zachary hill comstock yeah so you're gonna need some uh, age makeup for booker uh a little bit for a while until you get to his final form of comstock <laughs> exactly but uh look at what they did with um the de-aging technology in captain marvel with samuel jackson oh yeah it's crazy it's so incredible if, if this movie has enough of that budget, at least just for a handful of scenes, they could pull it off, just have one actor play both roles. But if they don't, I did choose somebody. He comes with an accent, but he can get rid of the accent. I'm sure I've seen it done, but he just has an equally assuring and terrifying presence. Um, he's done roles before that have pointed to this very um, leader-like presence that's very commanding, that's very reassuring that, um, you know, if he can convince hundreds, probably thousands of people to go come up to a flying city, this has got to be a very well-spoken person. And because we don't find out it's the same person till the end of the movie, I think it'd be a good to have drum roll, please. Sam Neill from Jurassic Park and um, many other fine films. He is the right age. He's um, a very certain guy. He holds himself very 
um, almost robotically in a lot of his roles. He just has a look, if, if he's looking at you and not smiling, honestly, I think immediately I'm like uncomfortable because he looks so stern. He has such like a stern, relaxed face. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I just think Comstock has to have that natural sternness in a similar way that Booker probably does from his tortured past. <laughs> um, but he's also got to be able to like turn it on, like turn on the flare of like, you know, I am the true leader. This is the way. And all of you people that think that we should be um, fully segregated and keeping things the way that they are, you're right. You know, like really encouraging this like super unhealthy, wrong, um, false, harmful, violent, uh, <laughs> I, I, what other adjectives am I missing? Just degradating way of thinking. You know, you have to have some character that's just like, that can really sell that. And, um, and then also hide his like secret priorities, whatever those would be. Well, actually, you know what? That brings me to our second character. Uh, she is the secondary character in the game and she's kind of your main reason when you start. Comstock's daughter, Elizabeth Comstock. She has powers to rip what's no, uh, they call them tears, but they're portals to different uh, times and periods and just in the, anywhere in the universe. She can open up a tear or a portal and you could be in 1920s Paris. And she's kind of, you know what, controversial statement, she's kind of a mix between um, like one of your favorite X-Men mutants who happens to be a female and Belle. And Belle! I knew you were gonna say it! Oh my gosh, and Belle! Oh, it's the blue flowy dress and the brown hair yeah. and the big brown eyes, yeah. And, and the fact that you find her in a library. Come on, and she sings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but hey, I actually think a lot of that was done intentionally. I'll get into that in a minute. But who I think would be perfect to play her in a live action adaptation would be Samara Weaving. Fun fact for those of you who don't know, Samara is Hugo Weaving's niece. And she's actually been acting for a little while, just like a lot of like indie, almost unknown stuff. Not a long while, but you know, just a little bit. And I, well, the first thing I ever saw her in was the McGee extravaganza, the babysitter that was released on uh, Netflix. The reason why I say Samara Weaving though, um, she has a very exotic look. She, she's, she's not your girl next door. She is not Belle, but she seems like that until she kind of starts doing her own thing. What I really think would cement her uh, perfect casting in at, as Elizabeth Comstock would be her role, uh, I forgot her character's name, but her role in uh, the movie Ready or Not. Her resourcefulness, her, uh, her natural comedy, and her mode from like, just joking like, oh my God, this isn't real, right? To holy shit, I am so scared. I may die, what the fuck, I'm covered in blood. Um, that that is the kind of thing that I think she, like uh, would make her perfect for Elizabeth because on her little uh, adventure with Booker, she sees some horrible things. She finds out some horrible truths, and she goes through some horrible stuff. But somehow she's able to keep some kind of like sense of humor 
to her character. And that is why I believe Samara Weaving would be perfect for this role because she pretty much embodies that in her role in Hide and Go Seek and a little bit in The Babysitter too. I, I like her her joking, happy-go-lucky demeanor, but she can also go serious and then sad at the drop of a hat. So that is my number one choice for Elizabeth. That's awesome. I can, I can definitely see it. I have a casting for this. I will say that height is not in her favor for this role, but um, the industry has uh, done crazier things than make somebody look taller, <clears throat> Tom Cruise, or shorter um, on camera. And so it can be done. This woman, Elizabeth Debicki, she has been the um, female confidant sidekick in a lot of different shows. So I think she carries that, um, the refinement that we kind of see Elizabeth maybe has grown up in, in captivity. She's very educated. She's um, somewhat innocent before she comes out into experiencing the world. And then she knows she has this natural sense of right and wrong. And so I think Elizabeth Debicki, she pairs very well with a lot of leading actors. And, and so I think she could very easily work with pretending to make tears and and falling into this whole new belief of how the world works but also carrying her natural sense of right and wrong and show the growth of the character her character experiences a lifetime of growth in a short game in comparison the game i think somebody said gameplay is like 15 20 hours i probably took a lot longer than that but that's not a lot of time but she learns a lot and changes even in her own character in that short amount of time and i definitely believe that elizabeth debicki can take us through that um in a very incremental way thanks to clever writing and and um and pacing of the story i okay i i, I like that choice I understand exactly where you're coming from with that. You gave a lot of strong points as to why she would be a good choice for Elizabeth. And you get the height thing. You get that I'm saying the height would be possibly an issue. A woman yes, is yes. like six foot. I agree. I'm not saying I disagree. I agree. I think she would be great, but this is just me. I feel more strongly with my choice of Samara Weaving yeah. because she, she, okay, she's got these beautiful piercing blue eyes that, that match Elizabeth, well, uh, not match Elizabeth's, but like match Elizabeth's character, like innocence, but she can also be a badass. So that that's why I'm sticking with um, uh, a member of the Weaving clan. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's totally fair, you know, and I'll, why not? Let's throw one more in. I also think Alicia Vikander. I think Alicia Vikander could be, but she's not my first point, my first choice, because I think she's a little too muted. She's got like a little bit too sarcastic or stern um, air about her. I know she can lighten up, but can she lighten up enough? I don't think so. But if we uh, if we have, you know, two of our 
our um, actresses out sick and we need a third, uh, we need an understudy, I would call in Alicia Vikander. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, we agreed on Booker. It looks like we don't 100% agree on Elizabeth, but we understand where we're both coming from. So, hey, all, all they're both all good casts. They really are. They really are. I, I can see Elizabeth Debicki, absolutely, but I'm holding strong with Samara. Yeah, well, if Elizabeth is busy and she's got another movie she's working on, we'll get tomorrow. Who's next? Robert and Rosalind Lutes, who are, uh, they're the original people who approach Booker to give him this job to wipe away the, the debt. They, uh, they kind of, in a creepy Twins from the Shining way, keep telling Booker throughout his journey, uh, bring us the girl and wipe away the debt. We find out later on in the game, they're the same person. But it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation because I believe it's solved in the game, but from what I could tell or what I remember, it was Rosalind who was the original. And when she started doing her uh, super genius science quantum physics thing, she ended up um, discovering a portal to a multiverse where she was actually a male and she was named Robert. So she brought Robert into her current world and they became twins in this world where they ended up helping Comstock build the floating city of Columbia for the twins. Kind of like Booker, I'm thinking single casting here and my casting choice is Jared Leto. Jared is a very uh, chameleon-like actor. He just seems to really just kind of blend to all of his roles. With Jared Leto playing a trans woman, in the Dallas Buyers Club, I really uh, buy that performance of him being a trans woman. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and not only that, how, how like uh, we were saying before, how much of a chameleon uh, Jared Leto is as an actor, and that the, the fact that he could play a, a masculine role as well, obviously. But the thing is, about Robert Lutes, he's not like Booker. He's not like a, a, a masculine, macho, grisly man. He's very much an intellectual. And I feel like Jared Leto has absolutely pulled that off in a lot of roles that he's been in. So I believe that he would be perfect for the role of both. I like that. I like the idea. Um, I, he seems like an actor who would be very much up for the challenge um, and uh, would give him a, a chance to be flexible. The next role would be uh, Jeremiah Fink. And I don't know if you remember him. He is definitely a venture capitalist who um, kind of like the Lutesses was in on this whole utopia of Columbia for his own reason though. He's the individual who ended up um, hiring a gang of people to kidnap black people from below, from America, and bring them to Columbia to continue to work as slaves. Oh my gosh. Uh, See, and I don't even remember that. Ugh, this game is so many things. He's very much, uh, a racist venture capitalist. He's more about money. He's more greedy than anything. For that role, I actually, uh, I, I know I said I only had one originally, but I have two that I just thought about. I would go Paul Giamatti 
or uh-huh. Michael Fassbender. And this will be easy because I'm citing both of their performances from 12 Years a Slave, <laughs> where, where, where they played racist white men. Um, Paul Giamatti in that uh, movie, I forgot his character's name, but he was pretty much just a slaver who would uh, buy slaves from an auction and resell them for a profit. And Fassbender, who was an alcoholic um, uh, plantation owner, um, that would take advantage of his black slaves. Both of their attitudes, how they could turn on that that white hatred, uh, I think really, really works for Jeremiah Fink. But Paul Giamatti would be my number one choice just because of um, in 12 Years a Slave, how he was very much a capitalist. Like he wanted to make money off the slaves. He didn't have any interests of you know, owning his own plantation and, and running the slaves. He was just in it for profit. So I feel like Paul Giamatti would be my choice there. You know, I think also like the way that he presents himself and talks and stuff would also fit really well into that like era, that nostalgic era they have. Cause I know I've seen him in a few period pieces or some, some, yeah. Daisy Fitzroy. She, she is a leader of um, the rebellion that is going on in Colombia, the Vox Populi. Daisy Fitzroy is a black woman and just like her and her other brothers and sisters of color were unjustly brought to Colombia. They were free in America, but brought to Colombia. Daisy herself, actually, this leads me uh, quite well into the next casting real quick, was brought up to be the housemaid for Lady Comstock, Zachary Hill Comstock's wife. So um, who I would cast is Daisy Fitzroy would be Zoe Saldana. Agreed. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Fully 100% agree. She, She just does rebellion pissed off woman of color so well I couldn't imagine anybody else. And then leading into what I said before Lady Comstock. Lady Comstock is actually dead by the time you get to Columbia but her ghost haunts a uh, a cemetery that you have to fight off to get Elizabeth back at a certain point where you lost her. I would cast Vera Farmiga because she only has like a small role and she's dead for most of it, but comes back to life real quick to do it. So you could do a ghost battle in a cemetery. (laughs) I think Vera Farmiga would be great because she's got a, she's got a great voice and she knows horror because of the Conjuring films. And uh, I, I, I think she would pull it off very well. Yeah, I also think that she has that, like, I I keep coming back to it, but so many of these characters have to have, like, an air of posterity about Um. them. You know, it's just because of the time and this like social flavor they have chosen for the floating city. Basically everybody but Booker honestly has to have had that air of posterity at some point, even if they're finally like detaching from it and coming into the reality of the situation just like Elizabeth does just like Daisy does when she like starts the resistance like I'm sure when she was working for Lady Comstock that like you know posterity was kind of just a tone in the home or something whatever I don't care but she also blossoms out of that just like Elizabeth did. And so it's, it's. I definitely think uh, Vera Farmiga could do that. Carrie, I've just got three more minor characters for you, but- Bring them like, on, bring them on. You're gonna like them. Do you remember a Cornelius Slate? Oh no. 
<laughs> okay, so he is an old war buddy of Booker's. They fought at the Battle of Wounded Knee. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And, and Slate is in Columbia. He's actually contracted by Comstock to stop you as Booker um, in your tracks. But um, if you are successful, you end up defeating him. But Cornelius Slate, not really as much of a zealot as Zachary Hill Comstock, but he, he's, he's got a lust for blood in battle. He is very much like a modern version of a Viking. He wants to go out and battle because that is the only thing he knows. He can't live a peaceful life because all this man has known was war and that's the only language that he speaks keeping that in mind i would cast jk simmons because well once again very chameleon like actor method amazing in everything he does uh but not only that he understands hate anger war everything that cornelius slate is about he understands that i'm thinking back to his roles um, as Schillinger in the show Oz, I'm thinking back to, oh, I'm thinking to his role, oh God, the, the, the worst music instructor you'll ever have in your life from Whiplash. I'm thinking everything that he's, he's done that really requires him to like hate and be angry and yell. J.K. Simmons just reminds me so much of like an angry dad. Who Juno! Was, yeah, like- Played the angry Juno. dad in Juno. He, like, Oh. Your, your your angry dad who just wants to learn you something, you know, and that exact that is exactly what Cornelius Slate is. He he tries to appeal to your war sensibilities. For that reason, I choose J.K. I support it. And uh, last but not least, Songbird. Now I know uh, we had a conversation about this before we started recording. You demanded practical effects for Songbird. <laughs> Yeah, come on. Like, oh my gosh. They had like, they had digital effects for this back when they did like freaking the wild, wild west. Okay, with Will Smith where they have like giant mechanical like spiders and tarantulas. Like they can make a practical effects metal gigantic songbird. I think they can and I think they should. It all depends on what kind of budget this movie has, if it's ever made, and especially if they maximum, ever- Maximum, maximum yeah. budget. Uh, yeah, so for this, because uh, Songbird is pretty much Elizabeth's protector. Um, Songbird kept her in her tower and kind of stalks you throughout the game because his main directive, he he's a big mechanical bird, and his main directive is to protect Elizabeth, but he is programmed to also like care for Elizabeth, not just protect her, which is something I don't think Comstock really accounted for because at a certain point, when you are on your journey with Elizabeth, Songbird kind of lets you guys go instead of killing you. But Songbird doesn't speak. It's just a bunch of, a series of squeaks. So for that, my only choice was Vin Diesel, <laughs> who has had experience making uh only saying like three lines for a character in a feature-length movie first with the iron giants then then groups in guardians of the galaxy and next will be songbird perfect perfect and he doesn't even have to sing 
Exactly. It, it, it's funny. They, they name the sing songbird doesn't sing at all. It's like a series of whistles. That's fun. That's fun that you casted that. Oh, I didn't even think about that, but you know what's on my heart. You know it. And it's Vin Diesel is a bird, a mechanical bird. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, that was our Dreamcast. We, we had some conflicting ideas there, but it looks like we were all kind of on the same track casting our major and minor characters. I want to know what you think. So if you like this, you can or have your own kind of uh, ideas of who you would cast in each role that we mentioned you can hit me up on twitter um all that information is in this uh podcast episode or i'll just say it um i am on twitter at alexandria 36089 um and i would like to thank my special first and foremost my special guest carrie uh who took time at her out of her very busy schedule to do this with me very very busy very busy and full of playing games many times this one is next. <laughs> I, I don't know where the accent came from, but we're just here to have fun. You know, we keep it, we keep it, we keep it loose and fun. So I hope you'll have me back, especially oh, if course. it's a video game one. You know, I want to talk video games. I want to talk actors. I want to talk to actors about video games. And I want to play actors with video games. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I will. Like, I don't know how to that. respond to that. Uh, you're the best, Alex. This has been so much fun. Um, you know, for anybody out there that hasn't played this game, you should. I think it's a great opportunity um, to learn. I think it's very immersive, um, both in um, time period and uh, fantasy, frankly. Um, and also, I think um, this game is is it has perfected, in my opinion, the um, dual wielding of um, different elements. So dual wielding um, powers and also uh, weaponry. So I think if if you're a, a pretty well-rounded gamer, I think you should give this one a try because it it kind of stretches your muscles in uh, controls and um, and in in a new inventive way of uh, of combat by combining different elements including um flocks of birds that attack your enemies for you uh incredible in my book but anyway that's my two cents um alex thank you of course i love having you on this carrie will definitely be back whether she wants to or not <laughs> please just ask uh, anytime ask would you kindly would you kindly oh, please uh, <laughs> There we go. A little Easter egg for you guys if you have played the game. Um, yeah, so that was it. Like like I said before, um, if any of you have any other casting choices or whether you agree or disagree with us, hit me up on Twitter at Alexandria36089. Uh, where, where can we find you, Carrie? You can find me um, out back on a lawn chair drinking a nice crisp uh, beer uh, with my feet in a baby pool. I'm just teasing. I'm on Instagram at Carrie Go Round. C-A-R-R-I-E-G-O-R-O-U-N-D. And uh, you can see all the fun shenanigans I get up to out here in the land of wildfires. 
<laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, well, Carrie, stay safe where you're at. I also want to thank Anchor for which um, this podcast would not be possible. Uh, you can, if you like this podcast, you can find me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much. And we will catch you next time with our next Dreamcast. Bye.